Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider free podcast, a service, of course, of Julie Williams' free VoiceOver Insider. For industry news, tips, and information, be sure to subscribe at www.voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Paul O'Connor, here to introduce our host, Julie Williams. What's coming up on the podcast today? Thanks, Paul. I am talking with Valerie Bobo, who is working with the William Morris Agency and Elaine Craig Casting as a talent director and casting director. She's a native of North Carolina, where she started her career in the entertainment industry as an intern at Mad Toy Box Films. Mm -hmm. And there she was pretty much thrown into the deep end of production. And we all know that's the best way to learn, right, Valerie? That's right. (laughs) After years of working with Mad Toy Box on various local and regional projects, Um, She teamed up with Indigo Pictures to produce their sophomore feature film, Pull, and also worked as a freelancer for Conlon Casting um, and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And then in 2013, she moved to LA and there she was hired very quickly by Fox Sports on-air promos about a month before launching Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. Um, And there she managed every aspect that you can imagine of the audio base from recording, the voiceovers to the final audio mixes, et cetera, et cetera. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Julie. You're going to be giving us a really good insight on what we often call the, quote, other side of the glass, quote. (laughs) Yeah, right. I actually have been speaking with a lot of my talent over the past few days, and I've gotten a lot of insight on this side of the mic, too, Um, meaning your side of the mic, just kind of as what happens in your minds and your processes, and it's a really complicated situation for you guys. Yeah, you know, and, and mostly because a lot of times voiceover people who haven't been in the industry forever and ever. You know, we we work from our homes. We have home studios. We connect only on Facebook, really, with other talents until we go to other conferences like WovoCon, where I'll be teaching at the end of June, and other voiceover conferences when we meet each other. But the most part, a lot of particularly newbies, like aren't sure how to approach an agency or approach a casting director. So you work with William Morris Agency. And and I got to tell you, in my mind, I'm like thinking unapproachable for the (laughs) average talent. Are they approachable? I know I I think of them as the top agency in the entire country, which is probably pretty valid. But are they approachable for somebody who wants to to be represented by them? Or is it kind of like, forget it, don't even try? (laughs) That's a complicated question, to be honest, because um, I agree we're the best out there. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because the agents here are the most amazing people on the face of the planet. Like, I definitely see them as approachable people. They're not the type to chase people off. It's just getting through the channels to get to them, I guess. Um, and it's also kind of difficult because it's difficult for actors to approach people without feeling like they're pitching themselves, I think. Um, And it's hard to find an agent without pitching yourself. There's not necessarily one way that necessarily works. A lot of times it's word of mouth. Like if I work with a really good unsigned actor in one of my job capacities, I have the ability to approach Cody and say, hey, like this person has a great voice. They don't have representation we should at least give them a look. Something that some people might not know is that 
just getting a meeting with an agent isn't where it ends at this level. You actually have to audition to be a part of the agency. So they send you in to the booth and we work together on a few of the scripts and you get feedback on where you were great, where you might need some work. And so just getting the meeting isn't necessarily the end part. So I guess in that sense, like an agency like mine is kind of, you have to be a working actor in order to get in in here. Unless let's say you're a YouTube professional with a hundred thousand followers, they might be more prone to try you out as a voiceover talent than somebody who's like, oh, I've done a commercial. I would like represent presentation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't see William Morris hiring someone who's done just one commercial. I see it as (laughs) as basically, if you're a newbie, you know, start with other agents and then work your way up. But, But I guess the question is, is William Morris open to hearing new talent? Of course. Yeah. I've uh, right now I'm like 99 for a hundred for the people who have done their auditions with me. And we have people come in sometimes who don't have representation, but they have an impressive resume. And um, those people are given the chance to audition. And a lot of times they end up getting signed by our agency because they're good at what they do. So I think that answers your question. Like they definitely are open to, to um, working actors that don't even necessarily already have representation. So is William Morris union only or is there a union and non-union roster? Um, I know that we have had non-union work come through, but the union status of all of our talent, I'm not 100% sure of. Mm-hmm. But we do still get some non-union work. So yeah. that is still something that goes through our agency. You know, there are a lot of people like, for, for example, me, I've been doing voiceovers for, <laughs> okay, don't date me, but 40 years. I could probably be your mother. 40 years I've been doing voiceover. And I've got like a half a dozen agents all over the country. Is William Morris one that is like exclusive for the entire country or are they just another one of your agents? And and I'm not uh, negating the value of any one agent by saying this, but you know, with a handful of agents, they're all valuable to me. But is, is William Morris kind of an exclusive or will they be just the, the sixth agent? Um, it's not. It's all regionally based. So for instance, some of our talent have William Morris representing them here in Los Angeles, and they have another agent representing them in Chicago okay. or New York or the Southeast. So it's all pretty regionally based. We are exclusive for the Los Angeles area since we do have a promo agent. We have a commercial agent. We have an animation agent. We kind of cover all of those grounds Mm -hmm. in-house, but it's, it's only regionally based. You mentioned that you do casting for William Morris, but William Morris is not a casting agency. It's a talent agent. So what exactly is it that you do there for casting? So I'm actually a booth director here at William Morris. I do casting with Elaine Craig. um, And my booth director is, so the way that our agency runs is that in order to give kind of a leg up to our talent, Um, We have booth directors here who the talent come in, they enter our studio or our whisper booth. We have like a few different rooms where we record voiceover and we kind of work together on the audition where I direct the talent to get them within the specs and make sure they're pronouncing all the words correctly and um, staying within timing sometimes if the casting or the producer has mentioned that 
as a part of importance. And then we kind of like handle the sending off of the auditions through voice bank or however it is that we are delivering those particular things. So my job here is to direct the talent for their auditions. What a great value. I mean, most of us are self-directing for voice bank and everything else. Right. It's it's a great process. And it's, it's honestly, I love it here. It's one of the best jobs I have ever had. Not to discount my other jobs, but it's such a good working environment. And the talent here are so supportive for each other. There's not any of that cattiness where they try to one-up each other or anything of that nature and they go out to lunch after they do their auditions and it's just it's a really healthy environment here which kind of surprised me to be honest because I thought at this level there'd be a lot of egos but there's not across the board. Yeah I love it when you know you go out to lunch afterwards and it's like okay I didn't get it but I'm so glad you did. Right exactly it's it's a phenomenal environment here. Now you mentioned Elaine Craig now that's separate from William Morris so tell me about Elaine Craig. So Elaine Craig is a casting director here in Los Angeles. Um, she does a lot of TV and radio spots and things of that nature, commercial-based stuff. I'm actually going there tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure what we're working on, but we do both regionally and um, national bookings. Like if you saw the Geico commercials with the wood choppers, mm-hmm. with like, oh, we've been sawing this log all day. I thought I'd have bigger muscles. Like we did the casting for that. Nice. We kind of just, we fill our day with talent. She has um, a roster that she she knows most of the voices on that roster. So she'll do like a shout out to the agencies. Hey, is this particular person available tomorrow to come in and audition? And she fills in the schedule and then they come in and read and we direct them just like we would here at William Morris. Um, and then that's it. Like we just kind of handle all of the audition processes for these larger companies like Geico or Hyundai or um so Cal Honda, like we even do Spanish, which was a completely different world for me when I started getting involved with it because yo no hablo espanol. So like it was very interesting being a part of the Spanish casting process as well, to be honest. That would be yo no hablo espanol. <laughs> so clearly I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> So it's basically the same type thing that you do with Elaine Craig. It's basically booth directing. Correct. Yep. So how about approaching? Are there some faux pas when it comes to approaching a casting director? I mean, you know, so many talents have grown up, haven't really done what we who have been there in a while have done, whereas we've gone in to do auditions all the time at one point, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so many of them have done nothing but audition from home and maybe even just on pay to play. What are some of the faux pas that people can do or have done that really are a turnoff to booth directors and casting directors? Um, As far as like approaching them or when we're actually working with them? Well, both of that. I guess, so we'll start with the approach. I know that, as I stated earlier, like it's hard for actors to approach people without feeling like they're pitching and being on the other side of it, especially when people hear like the companies that I've worked for in, in the places where I'm currently working. A lot of times, like just in conversation, when people hear, oh, what do you do? They automatically start lifting, listing off their resume. And a lot of times what that does is it makes us feel like the conversation has turned into what can you do for me here like do something we lose that personal interaction 
I think probably one of the best approaches you can do if you want to do it face-to-face, maybe maybe not even face-to-face, I would definitely start with emailing um, because they do have, you know, here Sinan works as Cody Irizarry's assistant and he kind of sees a lot of the stuff that comes through. And if somebody stands out, he's going to be likely to go to Cody and say, hey, like this person reached out to us, you know, let's give him a try. And so email is an effective way to approach people. Additionally, a lot of the casting directors do workshops. And in those workshops, though you might not necessarily get booked immediately for something, you're still getting in front of the casting director, which those do cost money, but it's invaluable because like I said, Elaine Craig will reach out to particular voices because she knows they fit the spot. So if you get in front of that casting director and work with them, they know who you are. You get on their radar. Right. And I mean, snail mail works too. I, I've i seen some actors kind of like swing by Elaine Craig's office, for instance, and drop off like a box of chocolates with like a, hey, just so you know, like I'm a voiceover person in the area and whatever. And um, kind of approaching in that non-confrontational way, just kind of making yourself known in that sense to where they can Google you or go on your voice bank and hear your demos or wherever it is, your website. Like it kind of also opens that door along with a special little touch of something that kind of makes you stand out a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I used to do that with the, I was, I used to use the branding voiceover chocolate. I've, I've uh, abandoned that about five years ago because the thing is that my clients loved it because they always got chocolate covered strawberries, berries, berries, but, uh, but the the thing is that it just, it really didn't say anything about me. Right. So, but, but they used to love it. I used to send chocolate CDs, lots of chocolates all the time, but then I would find that at the bottom of the the CD pile, some of the chocolates had worms. And then I just thought, oh my God, what if I sent a chocolate CD and there was a worm in it. (laughs) (laughs) They were horrified. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that was like disgusting. You know, it's hard to eat chocolate now for me. (laughs) Oh, I ruined chocolate for you. That's upsetting. I know. Okay. So something else that might be underrated is LinkedIn. Like surprisingly few of the voiceover artists I know are on LinkedIn. And I've actually done a lot of networking myself through LinkedIn, just kind of trying to grow my network and um, maybe a non-confrontational way of approaching these professionals, reaching out to them and saying, hey, um, I hear that you are a trailer producer. I see that on your LinkedIn and it's something that I really want to get more into. I was wondering if I might be able to speak with you and get some of your advice. And that's also another really good way because even though you're looking for something, you're not pitching yourself. You're more just saying you have this great value of information that I would love to be able to access as a person who wants to deliver a product to you one day. And um, it's through LinkedIn. So people People expect to be contacted for business purposes through LinkedIn. And even if you reach out to 50 people and only one of them responds with like, yeah, what a great idea. I would love, I've got 10 minutes tomorrow. Let's connect. It's still worth it. Well, you know, I can see having a mentor really, really makes a difference. And that's kind of what they're asking. Can you just like take a few minutes and mentor me? But right. I mean, if a hundred people contact you, which might happen after this podcast, since we've had 40,000 <laughs> listeners, <laughs> how many do you have 10 minutes for? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I've never been contacted by any anybody until you. So with that being said, it's a very underutilized pathway.
way of network. Wow. You know, I just started really get in, getting into LinkedIn. I've been on it since actually before anyone knew what it was, like 2001 <laughs> or thing. But I've never done anything with it in just, until just this past week. Um, right. Now, we contacted, I'll tell our listeners here, we contacted via Facebook because we're both on the Women in VoiceOvers site. And I just thought you would be a great podcast guest. What are some of the mistakes people have made with contacting casting directors and agents? Do you have any of stories about that? Not really with contacting them. There's not really. Granted, I haven't asked a lot of people their their stories about that. So yeah. just through like daily conversation, it, I haven't been contacted by anybody in a crazy way. I don't think really there's been any huge crazy stories about that. Honestly, voiceover is such a laid back side of the industry. Like I, I just feel like most of the people that are behind the mic are really cool individuals that are they just have great voices that sound amazing and they know how to use it and they don't really go to the crazy place from what I've noticed just being in the industry. So I don't, I'm not even sure that there would be stories about that. Okay. So <laughs> what, about, about it. what about coming into the booth? I mean, you had mentioned like etiquette for coming into the booth. And one of the things you mentioned is, is it okay to use your cell phone in there? And I'm thinking like, duh. I mean, I'm thinking it's not, but if, if it is, tell me. Um, Actually, it depends on your rapport with the company. So honestly, like when I was working at Fox and we're doing hundreds of spots per month and, you know, our talent comes in and we work with them regularly and we have a really relaxed rapport with them. In between recordings, when we're placing to video and cutting it up and squeezing other stuff in and playing it down, they can certainly sit and tool around on their phone. We definitely have not held that against them. I don't know as far as like NBC or something like that, what the etiquette is, but some of my friends have moved on to the other um, studios such as NBC where I would imagine they bring that same relaxed vibe that they had when I worked with them, in which case it it really, as long as you do your job and do it well, if you don't have to necessarily stand at attention waiting for the next directive when they're doing that, like when they're playing everything down and placing it to video and doing all of those things. Now, that's also just my experience on the promo side of stuff. Commercially, when the client is a little bit less uh, manufacturing, mm -hmm. it might have different etiquette. But as far as my exposure to the world on all sides of everything, if the producers are working on something, then... And really, if, if you need to like answer a text, it, as long as it's not interrupting your ability to do your job, it's not a big deal. We're talking with Valerie Bobo, who is uh, working with William Morris Agency and Elaine Craig Casting as a talent director and casting director. And we'll find out more insights about the other side of the glass in just a minute. All right. We'll be right back after this short message. Julie Williams has been a voiceover coach for decades and has helped thousands of talents to launch a VO career, refine their VO performance skills, develop winning demos and marketing plans, and market themselves in voiceover. She's taught all levels from beginners to voiceover coaches. But don't take our word for it. Let's hear what some of Julie's actual students have to say. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Back when radio was still fun in Houston, Julie Williams came to me to help her put together her very first demo. And now, decades later, who do I go to for the tips and tricks of the trade and the direction and coaching I need? I go to Julie. After just one lesson with Julie Williams, I learned so much. One lesson. Old dog, meet new tricks. 
She's not just a great voice talent. She's a great director. And after all, we really need that, that voice in the back of our head that says, no, this is better this way. This is a winning way. This is what I've learned. That's what she gives you. So go to Julie, listen to her, do what she says, so you too can perform to the best of your God-given ability. Julie isn't just a teacher who teaches during your time together. She's a coach who guides you through every step of your career according to your specific needs. You can find out more about Julie Williams Coaching at juliewilliamscoaches.com or by emailing her directly at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. And now a few final words from Julie and her guest. Welcome back to the VoiceOver Insider Free Podcast. My name is Julie Williams, and we've been talking to Valerie Bobo, who works for William Morris Agency, the, as far as I know, the biggest agency in the country, and also Elaine Craig Casting in Los Angeles as a, a talent director, casting director, booth director at the agency for, for the top talent in the country who come in to do auditions. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks again for having me. So tell me, is there anything that was stellar that maybe somebody came in and did when they were, say, auditioning or coming into the booth to audition and have you direct them? They really stood out as like, wow. What a talent. Um, I definitely, when you're working on the casting side of stuff and you're working with a voice artist and you have in your head the idea of what you want it to sound like and then they hit it, that moment when they hit it is like an internal victory. Like it really, it's across the board for every time a person auditions, when they hit that perfect everything you were looking for, it's like a magical moment for us on the other side of the glass because then we can stop looking. So on Honestly, all the talent that come in on and audition and like nail it and get exactly what you're looking for are those moments where you're just like, wow, like, yes, he got it. Great job. Now let's keep going with life, you know? Do you ever ta- have a talent that comes in and they break all the rules and they're not doing what you told them to do, but what they did was magical? Um, hmm. I mean, I guess so, so as a booth director, I think it's important to always be open to the artist and interpretation because you guys have your own vision of how you interpret a script. And sometimes it might be better than what we have in mind. Mm -hmm. I have had moments where the talent, I always give them the option to do another version of what they think is correct. So I'll make sure that I get what I am looking for. But then if they say, I just have this idea, sometimes it does turn out better. Not necessarily if they're being argumentative about the direction, but if it's just after I have gotten what I want and they say like, hey, can I just try this thing? Sometimes it does actually end up better than what I'm looking for, but not in a break the rules type way, just more of like, I have an idea and I just want to try it out. Do you mind? Type instance. So at that point, can you submit both auditions to the client or do you have to choose? No, we don't have to choose. We can absolutely submit both both selections. Awesome. Yeah. So I was at a conference one time and Michael Bell was there and I don't know if you remember him because it could be before your time. Do you remember the parquet spots butter? You know, Absolutely. I do. Yep. Okay. So he said that when he auditioned for that spot, everybody was going, uh, uh, he walked in with no direction and the script was butter <laughs> and everybody's going, 
butter, butter, all these butter things. And he goes, butter. You know, he just, just did that like real, I can't do it, but he did that kind of butter type sound that became the butter parquet, you know, commercial. Mm-hmm. And it was, he said it was because he was so different. And that would be, how would you feel if you walk in and the script is butter? I mean, how would you direct that? And how would you feel about the guy that said butter instead of butter? <laughs> um, Actually, I encourage my, my voiceover talent to kind of go outside the box a little bit. Generally, as long as we have specs, I try to keep the choices within the specs, but also still offer a range. Because when I was on the other side of the auditioning process, when I was part of the casting of it, I would listen to maybe like the first three seconds. And then like if if it was a long timeline, I would hop through the timeline to try to see if there was another take on what the talent was offering me. So I always try to make sure that we stay in spec. If we don't have specs, which I'm, I'm not sure if that's ever happened to us, but if we don't have specs, then you kind of have to by nature be open to anything. In which case I would probably have them do a range of, of options where you go butter, 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 you know, kind of mix it up and just try everything. Yeah. If something hits when you throw it against the wall. But I, I also do encourage my talent to kind of to kind of reach within the specs to find that one thing that might help them deliver in a way that's different from what everybody else is doing. And that's one of the keys. Uh, I, I wrote an article called The Girl in the Red Coat. Mm-hmm. And it's based on, it's for voiceover, of course, but it's based on Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. So much was in black and white, but then you're watching this girl in the red coat, the only one in color, and you're watching her go through this entire movie, you know, ending in this place and that place and that place. And at the very end, you see her going out as another person, another dead body, basically on the cart. And she's the one that you notice. Mm -hmm. And so the girl in the red coat was more about be the one that they notice. Right. Do you find that that is more valuable than being great? I mean, what is the difference between when you get to the 90 percentile, everybody's great. Right. Yep. They're all fantastic. So what makes them get hired once they're in the 90 percentile, the top 10 percent? Well, a lot of the companies that we cast for have very specific things that they're looking for. So to be honest, a lot of our breakdowns have very specific specs. So I guess the delivery and connecting to the emotion of the thing is what makes it different for everybody because I can I can't count on one hand it would take me 20 billion hands to count how many times the talent have come back to me and said the person that I heard that got cast for this commercial sounded exactly like how I delivered mine so what more could I have done um so I think honestly like once you reach this level you don't want to make too great of choices that are going to take you out of the specs because they're so specific about what they're looking for um that those grand choices sometimes come across as not as, I don't know the word I'm looking for, smooth or or clean or things of that nature. And it, it makes them sometimes stand out in not the best way. Um, even though I appreciate the courage it takes to make large decisions, I think the best way to stand out is to find the emotion in the script to connect to, even if it's like an old Navy spot, like you still would need to connect to what that character is trying to deliver and just finding different nuances in how to deliver it and not necessarily making huge choices unless you're doing something like animation or video games or something that kind of requires more of that animation 
in what they're doing. Right. You know, there was a, a particular spot I auditioned for that someone who, how do I say this? You know, a lot of their, they're not always as conversational as I am mm -hmm. and they landed the spot. And so I talked to my New York agent when I saw him at a conference and I said, okay, so, so just tell me what was better about her audition than mine. And he said, she's slated in character. Mm -hmm. And that was huge because the character was um, very much had the runs and had to go. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I probably just, if I slated it all, I probably just said, hi, I'm Julie Williams. Thanks for listening. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, but I oftentimes don't slate because I feel like if I've got five to seven seconds for them to listen to my audition, I don't want to spend half of it having them listen to, hi, I'm Julie Williams. Right. How do you feel about the slating thing? We slate name only. We uh, sometimes people throw in the high, but generally speaking for the stuff that we're doing, it's just Valerie Bobo. And that's it. When I have a change in voice, like some of the men here are phenomenal with their voices and they're able to go from like a 90 year old man to a 12 year old boy. It is Ooh. insane. Like they really have a wide range of voices. And if the audition is for a child voice, which we know a lot of women do child voices, I encourage them to slate in the character name because for that exact reason, I think especially in animation, it makes a difference. I'm not sure about, you know, slating as if you have to run to the bathroom and kind of like rushing through that. <laughs> If that's what got her the job, then I can't really negate that statement. Yeah. So um, clearly there's something to that. But as far as how we handle it in both the agency, the casting agency and the talent agency, we just have them slate their name. We've been talking to Valerie Bobo, who works with uh, the top agencies in the country, actually William Morris Agency in LA and Elaine Craig Casting, both very well known in the industry, both the ones that you want to be known by, you know. <laughs> so Valerie, is there anything else that you would like to add before we close? Um, I guess advisement for some talent, how they might be able to, once they get in the booth, continue to get called back by a company. Um, some of the stuff that's occurred with us is knowing your range. So if they're asking for a Russian accent and you can't do a Russian, you know, if you can do a Russian accent or not, like if you can't do it, don't do it. Like I know everybody wants to apply for everything and audition for everything and work as much as they can. But honestly, it just ends up using your precious time, our time. It's it's not something I would encourage and knowing kind of what you can and can't do with your voice and kind of honing those things always work on your craft, but um, certainly know where your limits are so that when it does come time for you to get in the booth and work with people and, and do those things, it's, it's easier on everybody. Another thing that I just wanted to put out there, which we touched on earlier, but having a bit of a debate with the talent director when the director knows what they're looking for, not necessarily in the auditioning process, but once you get in the booth, um, if they ask you, could you do it this way? Could you do it that way? Not that you necessarily have to jump when they say, say how high when they tell you to jump, but, and they're always open to hearing your input, but they know what they want 
moment on their spot. So definitely try to always approach those moments with a very positive thing. Like, hey, now that we have that, is there any way I can just try one more thing? Because I have had talent book doing things like that. But if it turns into a debate with the person on the other side of the glass, a lot of times they start shutting down and it turns into kind of like a negative interaction. And that's not what you want as a voiceover person. No, so no. just definitely make sure that when it comes to that moment, when you kind of have like this idea of the script that you're really excited about, you present it as more of an option than like, I, well, I think it should be this way, if that makes sense. Oh, perfect sense. Thank you yeah. for joining us, Valerie. We've been talking with Valerie Bobo, who uh, just worked with William Morris Agency, Elaine Craig Casting. Uh, she's a talent director, booth director, casting, uh, works with the casting director. And so we want to thank you so much for your time. We hope you will join us again next time for another great guest in the VoiceOver Insider Podcast. We're glad you were able to join us today. Feel free to email Julie with any questions at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Morning Joy Lynn, who can be reached at morningjoy at voeditor.com. And of course, thank you for listening. Till next time, I'm Paul O'Connor, along with Julie Williams, wishing you prosperity in all you do.